The LifeSpring family of podcasts is brought to you in part by AMD Live. AMD Live brings digital entertainment to life. LifeSpring 130, how to be perfect. Hey, how's it going? Got a great show. And I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I am. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me today. So how was your Easter? Of course, if you're on Sirius, you're hearing this next week. So how was your Easter a week ago, a week and a day ago? That's okay. Hey, the show we've got today is really, really jam-packed. You know, Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It doesn't matter where you're at and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't even matter your age or your sex or your station in life. Jesus asks you this, who do you say that I am? Life springs about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. My name is Steve Webb, in case I didn't tell you that. Today's show is going to be very personal. It's been a long time since I really revealed this much of myself on the show. But I've got something that I really want to discuss with you today. It's been on my mind for a while. And so uh, we're going to share. Okay? So anyway, um, as we've been doing lately, I also have a website of the week to tell you about. And a very special entry in the podcast of the week column as well. So hang around for that. And a good friend of mine sent me something that I want to share with you. So, as I said, lots and lots of stuff today. Hey, before we go any further, I just want to remind you of the email address, steve.lifespring at gmail.com. The listener comment line is 206-350-CALL, or numerically speaking, it's 206-350-2255. Hey, you know, it's been a while since we did an Ask Steve question, so If there's something that you'd like to ask me, maybe a question about religion or morality, what have you, what my favorite uh, recipe is for uh, chocolate chip cookies, (laughs) call it in on the comment line. If you're wondering about it, chances are someone else is too, so uh, call it in. Don't be shy. All right. Onwards. Let us get the ball rolling. You ready? Let's go. I got a great song to start off with. This is... Harrison Kennedy. There's a bird that will see. Come on, sing it. By and by. Mm. Come on. Written in the of our lives. Oh, your heart is a pen cannot tell a lie. 
Good stuff. Harrison Kennedy, make a difference. And you know what? There we go. <laughs> I am hoping to make a difference with this today. It's been a long time since I talked about myself as much as I'm going to today. I don't really like to talk about myself that much because I don't <laughs> I don't think I'm all that uh, unique. I certainly don't think I'm any uh, special person. So uh, I don't really like to talk about Steve Webb very much. But it's been on my mind for a while. You know, I don't know if it's my advancing age or just what, but I've recently come to a new awareness of a very real deficit in my perception of people, including myself. You see, for all of my life, I've labored under the delusion that excellence is the only acceptable outcome of mine or anyone else's efforts. You might say, well, Steve, it's a good thing to strive for excellence. My response would be, well, yes, it is a good thing to make excellence your goal. I think it was probably the Puritan ethic that brought us the phrase, any job that is worth doing is worth doing well. And going along with that is the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, where it says in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your might. And then uh, in the New Testament, book of Colossians, chapter 3, 23rd verse, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. So it's the American way to strive for excellence. Well, at least it used to be, but that's another show. One could even say it's godly, right? But more than that, it is the way that things were done under my father's roof when I was growing up. Now, please don't get me wrong. I learned some good and helpful things from my dad. And I love him. Actually, I guess for clarification and accuracy, I should point out that the man who raised me, the one whom I called dad, was my stepdad. I learned how to work with my hands from him. I learned that I could do whatever I set my mind to from him. I learned how to figure out things by breaking them down into bite-sized chunks. Those are all good things. He modeled those things for me. From the time that he married my mom when I was five years old, I watched him do things. I watched him build things, accomplish things. It's really quite amazing what he was able to accomplish given the really, really crummy start that he got in his own life. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. His parents, both from very poor backgrounds, married at 17. And it was a shotgun marriage, literally. His mother's father literally told his, his father that he would either marry his pregnant daughter or he would lose his life. I mean, it was a shotgun marriage. In every sense of the word. Now, neither my dad's uh, mother nor his father wanted to be married to each other. So, the little boy that would become my dad took the brunt of their resentment and anger. They didn't even, they didn't even call him by name most of the time. They called him boy. That's the name that he was known by in the family. Boy. He didn't have one healthy relationship with an older man as he grew up. 
The closest thing that he had was when he was a small child. His maternal grandfather treated him very well, and they spent a lot of time together. His grandpa took him fishing and hunting and everything a grandpa should do. He did. He even bought Boy a twenty-two to hunt with. Sounds great, right? I mean, that's too bad his dad didn't treat him well, but at least he had his grandpa. Yeah, well, listen to this. I don't know for sure what happened in his grandpa's life, but when Boy was about ten years old, his grandpa took his own life with the twenty-two that he had bought for Boy. Hmm. Man, that's tough. So much for a good role model. The pain of that loss still haunts my dad to this very day. And he's turning 80 next week. So it's been a long-lasting pain that really, really shaped his life. Well, so he ended up running away from home at about age 14. And he learned to fend for himself. And just as we have predators today who look for vulnerable runaway teens, they had him then too. I'm not going to go into the gory details. Suffice it to say that from the time he left home until the day he married my mother when I was five years old, there had been many traumas in his life, and he was a survivor. He had learned to trade, and he was good at it. And he was on his way to building a really comfortable life. Today, my mom and dad live in a very upper-middle-class neighborhood in Orange County, California, in one of the more expensive areas of one of the more expensive counties in the United States. Their home is paid for. It was the day they moved in. They paid cash for it. Not too bad for a guy with such a bad start in life, right? Well, one of the factors that got him into that neighborhood was his work ethic, the one I was talking about earlier. I was brought up in a household that obviously lived those teachings. Well, now here's where something went a little south. Dad pushed himself, and when he was teaching me, he pushed me just as hard. I started working with him when I was 10 years old in construction. Now, he hadn't had the example of love and patience as he grew up, as so many kids too. So there was none of it when it came to raising me. And because I wanted to please him, like almost every other little boy wants to please his dad. Well, no, actually, as I think about it, it really wasn't that I wanted to please him. It was that I was afraid to fail. And because I was afraid to fail in his eyes, I pushed myself even harder even then he pushed me. I, I had to achieve perfection. Or I might receive his disapproval. And the last thing I wanted was his disapproval. Because his disapproval might manifest itself with a withering look or a streak of curse words. Or if I was, I guess, lucky, I'd get a dismissive, do it again and do it this way. You see, there's only one way to do something. And that way was his way. He had a a great way to make you feel like you were only about two inches tall. So, along the way as I grew up, this level of expectation of perfection became very deeply 
ingrained in my psyche. As a matter of fact, I thought that it was good to be a perfectionist, really. I expected perfection of myself, which is bad enough. But I also expected perfection of those around me. If you worked for me, I expected you to work as hard as I did, and I expected you to strive for perfection too. Now, working for a perfectionist boss is terrible. I know that now. I didn't know it then. I just figured it was their problem if they were unhappy in their jobs. But worse than working for a perfectionist boss is having a perfectionist father. Here's the thing. I have known for a very long time, a long time, that my dad caused me a lot of hurt because of his my way or the highway attitude. But that corrosive, destructive trait somehow became hardwired into me. There have been so many times that I have held my three boys up to that standard that to think of it now, it just completely breaks my heart. And here's the crazy thing. Knowing that I haven't been the perfect father, notice that word, knowing that I haven't been the perfect father, the perfect father makes me hurt too. In all this mess that I made Walls have crumbled down In the broken shards that remain All my pride stripped to the ground I lift my voice to you With the strength that I have left I lift my voice to you Lord, please hear my cry When I am afraid I will trust in your name God whose word I praise In the Lord whose name I praise In you I will trust And I will not be afraid All this mess that I made Walls have crumbled down In the broken shards that remain All my pride stripped to the ground I lift my voice to you With the strength that I have left I lift my voice to you 
say, Steve, where are you going with all this? Why are you telling us this? Well, you see, I'm in the process of realizing how distorted my view has been. And I want to relate this to God's perhaps surprising attitude toward us. You see, this perfectionism is not from God. It's not what God expects of us. And if he doesn't expect it, What gives me the right to expect it? How in the world could I possibly expect more of myself or anyone else than God does? What's that I hear you say? But Steve, doesn't the Bible say, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect? I think I've heard that somewhere. Man, that sounds like a pretty high standard to me. Be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect? Woo. What about those quotes you read at the beginning of the show? Well, I'm glad you asked. Really glad. Because it forced me to look something up that I knew, but not as well as I wanted to. Check this out. There are 38 different words used in the original Hebrew or Greek writings that have been translated in the Bible, 38 different words that have been translated in the King James Version as perfect, the word perfect. 38 different words in the Hebrew and Greek that in the King James were translated as the word perfect either perfect or perfection, perfecting, perfected, you know, a a variation of the word perfect. 38 different words. For a total of, check this out, 122 instances. That's a lot of emphasis on perfection, right? (laughs) No wonder you're so messed up, Steve. (laughs) Listen, check this out. Out Out of those 122 references, only seven of those refer to accuracy or anything like the concept of perfection that we typically mean in today in today's vernacular. Only seven out of 122 times. Huh. So what are the other meanings? Well, they mostly have to do with completeness or completion. And that includes the scripture that I quoted just a moment ago. Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not talking about being without flaw. It's talking about being complete. <laughs> be perfect or be complete, even as your heavenly Father is complete. <laughs> That's good news. 
Okay, so I'm not being asked to be as perfect as God, which, of course, obviously would be impossible. But wait a minute. To be as complete as God? What is that? Sounds like maybe I'm just jumping from the frying pan into the fire, right? Well, not at all. Why? Because it isn't even my responsibility to be complete. It isn't in my hands. I'm off the hook. (laughs) So where does the completion come from? How do I become complete? Guess what? (laughs) That's not my concern. Whose concern is it? It's God's. Listen to this scripture. New Testament, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. (laughs) Who began the good work in me? Well, God did. Who's going to carry it on to completion? God is. Oh, man. Can I tell you what a tremendous load that removes from my shoulders? Not only does that mean that I don't have to be the kind of perfect that means without flaw, but it also means that it's not even my responsibility to bring myself to completion. As if that were at all realistic anyway. I mean, come on. When was the last time that you ever started a project and then expected that project to complete itself? What a ridiculous notion. Now, here's where it gets even better. At least for the people around me anyway. Here, listen to how my friend Brian Duncan says it. Listen to this. Until you get out of yourself, you'll always be miserable. You know why? Because you're always going to fall over at some point. Because you're not God. There is a God, and you're not Him. Think about it for a second. All right, so that says it pretty well. Not only am I not responsible to bring completion to myself, but I'm not even responsible for bringing anyone else there either. I'm not God, and it's not my job. You know what my job is? My job is to be an encourager, a cheerleader, at the very most, a coach. But certainly, (laughs) it's not my job to be the creator. That's very good news. There is a reference in the Bible that likens us to clay. It says that we are being shaped by the potter and that the pot never says to the potter, hey, why did you make me this way? You should have made me that way. The Bible implies that this is ridiculous, and so it is. So what does a potter do when he's creating a beautiful vase or a dish or a pot? Have you ever watched someone working with clay on a potter's wheel? They very carefully and patiently push the clay and pull the clay as it spins on the wheel until it is just the way he wants it. Get this, the potter has in mind what the finished product will look like before he even begins. He sees the clay is complete even before he puts his hands to the clay. Well, here's the great news. This is the message of hope, love, and good news right here. God sees you in the same way if you are in Jesus. He sees you complete. He sees you perfect. He sees you through the eyes of love and through the completed work of Jesus. Now, you are still on the wheel right now. You're still being shaped But the completion is just details. (laughs) You're already perfect in his sight. So what's the bottom line? Here it is. I don't think I'm unique. I think that there are lots of people out there who are too hard on themselves and too hard on the people around them. 
or maybe you have someone in your life who is this way. Please allow this message into your heart. Relax in the freedom of not having to be without flaw. Rest in knowing that it is God's job to complete you. And most importantly, allow the same for the people around you. If you see flaws in the people around you, hey, it's not your job to fix them. Don't expect perfection of them. See, I always expected perfection of myself, and so I thought it was okay to expect perfection of the people around me. Eh, wrong. That's not it. You know, my dad is turning 80, like I said, next Monday. It is sad to say, it breaks my heart to say that he has no friends. During the course of his life, he never allowed anyone in. Those that would have become friends soon learned that they could not live up to his expectations. And today there's nobody. There is nobody. He sits in his house and sleeps most of the time. He's got nothing to keep him going. And he's just waiting to die. I don't want that happening to me and I don't want that to happen to you. If you're listening to this show, you're part of my family. I mean that with every fiber of my being. And I don't want that happening to you. Jesus came to give us abundant, overflowing, and joyful lives. Let's let him do that for us, shall we?
good friend of mine wrote me a, uh, a letter. Well, sent me this email. And it is a letter by an 83-year-old woman to her friend. Good stuff in here. It says, Dear Susan, I'm reading more and dusting less. I'm sitting in the yard and admiring the view without fussing about the weeds in the garden. I'm spending more time with my family and friends and less time working. Whenever possible, life should be a pattern of experiences to savor, not to endure. I'm trying to recognize these moments now and cherish them. I'm not saving anything. We use our good china and crystal for every special event such as losing a pound or getting the sink unstopped or the first amaryllis blossom. I wear my good blazer to the market. My theory is if I look prosperous, I can shell out $28.49 for one small bag of groceries. I'm not saving my good perfume for special parties, but wearing it for clerks in the hardware store and tellers at the bank. Someday, and one of these days, they're losing their grip on my vocabulary. If it's worth seeing or hearing or doing, I want to see and hear and do it now. I'm not sure what others would have done had they known they wouldn't be here for the tomorrow that we all take for granted. I think they would have called their family members and a few close friends. They might have called a few former friends to apologize and mend fences for past squabbles. I like to think that they would have gone out for a Chinese dinner or whatever their favorite food was. I'm guessing I'll never know. It's those little things left undone that would make me angry if I knew my hours were limited. Angry because I hadn't written certain letters that I intended to write one of these days. Angry and sorry that I didn't tell my husband and parents often enough how much I truly love them. I'm trying very hard not to put off, hold back, or save anything that would add laughter and luster to our lives. And every morning when I open my eyes, I tell myself that it is special. Every day, every minute, every breath, truly is a gift from God. And now, here's the website of the week. Check this out. you got to go to see Podcast User Magazine. It's an online magazine about podcasting and podcasters. The latest edition has an article by Lance Anderson of Verge of the Fringe about the Orange County podcasters, of which I am a part. There are some true pioneers in podcasting that have been or are currently a part of the Orange County podcasters. And Lance interviewed some of them and some of us just recently, and it is in the latest edition of Podcast User Magazine. So if you want to know a little bit about the Orange County Podcasters, check it out. I have the link on the show notes page. It's, it's podcastusermagazine.com, but I have a, a direct link to the uh, issue if you go to the LifeSpring Podcast show notes page. And uh, page 27, by the way, is where you'll find the story. Now, speaking of the Orange County Podcasters, I think that it is only appropriate that my podcast of the week be the podcasts of the Orange County Podcasters. And there's no way that you're going to get me to select just one of those podcasts. You think I'm crazy or what? <laughs> These guys are my friends, and I'm not going to single any one of them out. So 
The link that I have for you on the show notes page is the website for the Orange County Podcasters. It's an easy link. It's ocpodcasters.com. Listen to all the shows. You're, you're, you're bound to find several that you're going to want to add to your subscription list. So that's the, the website of the week and the podcast of the week. Hey, listen, if you want to help to support the LifeSpring family of podcasts, it would really be great if you would go to the show notes page at LifespringPodcast.com. At the top of the LifeSpring show notes page, you will see a link to AMD. Go check that out. There are some fantastic software packages or free software that you can get over there that will really help you to enjoy uh, your digital experience much better. And if you've got little kids, there is something that is called Kid Rocket that will just really help you to just relax when your kids are on the Internet, especially if they're small. You're going to want to check that out. And I talked to you last week about Orb that will help you to share all of your media files over your network, whether it's wireless or wired. Uh, you can get all of your digital media on your television. You do not need to go out and spend a couple hundred bucks for the Apple TV. You don't really need to do that. Check it out. Check out Orb. Check out AMD. Check out, check out AMD Live. I'd really, really appreciate it. So music today was Harrison Kennedy, Brandon Solins, Matt Brady, Torchomatic, and Beatrice Erickson. I want to thank uh, all of those guys for sharing their music over at the Podsafe Music Network. There'll be links to all of the music on the show notes page, which we've already talked about. Thank you so much for joining me today. I invite you to listen to LifeSpring Sunday, number 22. The Easter service from the church I attend um, is, is on that. The title 